Welcome to the 615 Sessions podcast. Look who it is. What a delightful face that I see across from me as we welcome back Chief Paul Kaharski, paulkaharski.com. Sometimes of 1025 The Game with Robbie and Rex Road, where he does a tremendous Jared Stillman impression uh, that I'm a big fan of. It's lovely to see you, Chief. Lovely to see you, Andrew. Been far, far too long uh, since we've... uh engaged in any professional banter and i'm uh, i'm excited and looking forward to it and that's rare for me to say uh at this hour <laughs> listen i uh, i appreciate that you, you even broke a little news for me coming in here you, you're trying to sweeten sweeten the pot a little bit i appreciate you making the extra effort to uh, break this tear tart news before coming on the podcast today and that is of course where we will start, uh, the chief at paulkaharski.com has written that the Titans are moving on from T.R. Tart, though it is not officially on the NFL's transaction list. Uh, expect him to be waived. So it will be is- on the uh, it'll, it'll be on the list. I, I don't know if there's a list on Saturday or not. If it's not on Saturday's list, it'll be on Mondays. Keep an eye out. Head on a swivel at this time of year, which is not something that we're used to saying. But this is not the first. <laughs> Uh, late season uh, player, player to be jettisoned late season under this current situation with the Titans at five and eight. So, so walk us through the tart stuff. What do we need to know? Well, my understanding is, um, and if you look at his last three games, he hasn't played particularly well. Um, you know, this contract thing has been an issue for him all year. I don't really understand why, uh, you know, the, you know, maybe he should have taken his complaint to the PA. Um, but, you know, in your fourth year, um, if, if you're undrafted the way he was, you, you, you're you in, in line to get a tender. They gave him a good tender. They gave him the second best tender, which is about double the money he, he could have gotten because they were worried that, that somebody would come and get him if they gave him the lower tender. There's no compensation, obviously, because you, you the compensation would line up with your draft round if they gave him the original tender. They gave him the second round tender. So if somebody came and signed him, they would have got a second round pick back, right? Uh, $4.3 million, which is a pretty good fourth year salary for, for a guy who came from undraftedville. Um, and all he had to do, I think, is play hard this year, uh, be in better shape, which has been an issue for him do his thing as a run stuffer. They talked about finding more opportunity for him to rush the passer if he earned it. Um, you know, it's hard to get those snaps based on the personnel that they have, but it might've been easier for him to get those snaps based on how ineffective they've been, largely speaking. Um, and he would have lined himself up for a nice contract, probably not here because of the way they operate. But, um, you know, I think we all talked about like Tier Tart if he does what he's supposed to is, is going to be one of those guys that nobody's heard of. That's going to get himself a pretty little contract. Couldn't, couldn't do it. I think uh, it got to the point where, uh, well, first off his conditioning never got uh, up to speed where he could earn the snaps that, that they wanted him to have just in the run stopping uh, category, better yet the pass rushing. I think it became a malcontent. uh, And I think it started to affect the, the locker room. And when they got to that point, uh, that that's when I think they said we, we we can't have this year. Well, and there's been signs that there's something going on there, right? And listen, it's impossible for the defense to have played 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to say as well as they have because they're, they're not without flaw. And I think that we all had higher expectations of them coming into this season than that front being a big part of it. But that they can't score, everything's magnified. And we've seen people like Jaleel Johnson kind of pop off on social media. Uh, uh, Monty Rice before being signed onto the Saints practice squad. So there had been some of this brewing for some time. And, and Vrabel, Vrabel is not an easy person under normal circumstances, certainly at five and eight. So it was fair to expect that there would be some of this and losing locker rooms often tend to, to show more of it than a, you know, a team that might by happenstance upset the Miami Dolphins and the former number one overall seed or the team that stood to be in position to hang on to that number one overall seed. But like that they're doing it, that they're doing it now, Chief, I think sends a larger message about what Mike's trying to accomplish and what he's willing to tolerate and what he's not. I don't know. And and we're talking about Vrabel here, correct? I want to make sure for people um, that are, you know, have questions about what personnel decisions are being made we're talking about Vrabel making this decision right well I, I don't know who who made the decision I, I presume it's a collective decision but I mean it's his locker room it's his 48 53 53 plus the the 16 um and and I I think that Tart had become a disruptive element of that defensive line group if not a, a larger group and I think you know it, it who's going to stand up and say, I, I'm not going to stand for that anymore. It's not going to be the the GM who's not around that in the same way. I would think, um, you know, I, I think players probably got to the point where they were complaining about it. They're going to complain to the head coach um, uh, or it's going to trickle down to the head coach. They're going to complain to Terrell Williams perhaps, and that's going to trickle down to the head coach or to Shane Bowen, the same thing. So I, I would presume it's a it's a head coach dictated thing, um, and and then we don't know. You know, it's one of the great mysteries this season of what degree the collaboration is between Vrabel and Carthon and and, and all of that. But I, I think you know the guy uh, Justin Mello reported he's, he's on his third agent now with uh, yeah. with Rosenhaus. I'm not a Rosenhaus guy at all, and I think uh, Tart certainly has cost himself money. I think somebody will still pay him and bring him in because he can can fit that role. But you got you got to be more wary of him now, knowing that he had opportunity here and didn't take advantage of it. Couldn't even make it through a season. Like you you can go to your next team and say, "Hey, I was miserable at the end there," but look at the tape. I I played my ass off to the end. He can't say that. No, I mean, I've been told by people inside that building that he's the best two-down player in football. The problem is, as you as you brought up, the conditioning and, you know, how motivated they can get him from time to time. And at this level, there's just not – there's only so much tolerance for it. Now, from, from one player not finishing the season here to another player who is going to finish the season here, but he's not going to finish it on the field, what the hell are we to make of the Christian Fulton stuff? You were in the locker room this week. Uh, he walked in there surprised that he had been placed on IR – it's rare, I guess, for the audience that's not familiar with the behind-the-scenes stuff, we'll see players who are placed on injured reserve in the locker room during our media availability from time to time. But it's way more rare uh, than not to see these guys unless they're Lawan and they just want attention. But I think that with Fulton, having seen the video uh, that you guys put out collectively of kind of asking him about his future and things like that and him saying, listen, I just found this news out myself. 
as a matter of fact. And and deferring back to Vrabel, we know it's been a nightmare year for Christian Fulton and a hamstring injury to end it to put him on IR is a disaster, but that he planned to come back and try and play through it in a contract situation and that somebody's, you know, above collaborative decision, coach's decision or otherwise is shutting him down for the year. I, I thought the whole Christian Fulton experience this year, Chief, has been bizarre. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not unusual for a guy as he goes on IR to talk one time about, you know, the, the experience. I think it was an awful quick turn for him. He probably found out five minutes before uh, he, he talked to us. Um, you know, he's a little bit um, – I don't want to say he's not self-aware because he's been stand-up when he's had some bad games, uh, and there and there have been plenty of them. He's, stand, he's, he's stood up and talked about it. But he also called himself one of the best corners in the league, you know, going forward, which fans had uh, had a field day with. You know, I think Christian Fulton will find uh, another job for sure. Uh, you know, maybe he's like a Doy Jackson and he goes somewhere and is a, you know, slightly better than serviceable corner for for a team and has a you know extended career. If he can get control of the hamstrings, you know, and somebody asked him, like, is this all been one hamstring? He's like, no, no, no. This has been both hamstrings. I've been bouncing back and forth here with this uh, with this injury problem. It, look, it's just another one of these Titans guys who just hasn't worked out. Um, and he's a likable guy. It's hard if, if you're if you're talking to him and he's being, you know, pretty candid about things being up and down to 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 feel the venom that the fans feel for him and all of that. But it just been too many Sundays where he's he's been too undependable. Uh, and the, and the one thing that makes you I don't want to say root for him, but but feel the need to count on him or say they need him out there is that the people behind him just aren't 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 very good. Trey Avery is not very good. Eric Garrar is not very good and so you know this thing and i refer to twitter too often i get caught up in twitter too often i know you've done a little bit better job maybe getting off off of there more i uh i i post i i don't respond i've, that, that, I've taken a, a lesson from you in that time that you seem to just seem so much happier when you weren't checking your yeah, messages on a regular basis i need to get back to that but um Zen you know Jesus. this, this thing where people say it can't be worse about any anybody that's struggling it's just so, it tends to be so false it can be worse they're they're worse with trey avery and or eric garar on on the field they are and that doesn't make fulton good but it makes their alternatives behind them bad and this defense no matter what they do up front and where they are next year, I think needs an elite cornerback to, to anchor that secondary. And it's been, it's been a while. And uh, you know, Malcolm Butler, they brought in and they were really paying kind of for attitude and, uh, and mindset. He did a good job with that kind of stuff, but he wasn't an elite corner in terms of shutting people down. Dory Jackson never turned into that. It's been a mindset group to a large degree. They bring in Chris Harris, who, who's a great coach. I think he's had uh, has a reputation as a great coach. I think he's had a good bearing on uh, McCreary, who hasn't been at his best lately, but I think is a very good nickel cornerback when you look at his body of work this season. But beyond that, you know, I think Sean Murphy Bunting, Bunting is a great accountable guy, but he's going through a bad stretch now too. They they need somebody that's a centerpiece of that secondary on the outside. Well, and you know, for people who are asking about Caleb Farley, I know you get questions about Caleb Farley 
on your uh, podcast. Obviously, you can also check out the Paul Kaharski podcast, uh, wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you're just now popping in the stream, Paul Kaharski of paulkaharski.com. I'll see how many different times I can say your name since it's been so long since we've had you on the podcast, but it's good to see you back. Uh, hanging out here with us, talking some Titans ahead of Sunday's game. I never expected Farley to play this year, and uh, it's pretty clear with four games left, there's not not much point to it at this stage. And you know what? Is that year three? So, um, you know, this is the other thing. People want guys cut. Like, it doesn't serve them to cut Caleb Farley, so he's probably in camp next year, but – He's going to have to, you know, there's going to be some new people around and he's going to have to have a great camp and show that he can be healthy. And I think odds are he's not around. Well, I, you know, it just kind of goes into this larger theme of, of Vrabel and getting ready to, to kind of start this thing over with, with a young team, right? Chief, we've seen him, we've seen him patch it together with vets. We've seen him come into a team that was more ready made after Malarkey was let go, that was the whole thing. They're looking to take the next step, and the next step was the AFC Championship game or the AFC Championship appearance that they made. Now, with so many young players starting and him being, I, I don't want to say forced into trusting younger players before he might otherwise be ready, whether that's Jalen Duncan, Colton Dow, Will Levis, obviously, Tajay Spears, who earned it right out of the gate. I'm fascinated to see how he kind of manages this situation because it's unique from what we've seen with Mike in this previous, you know, up almost six season run that he's been the head coach here. Yeah. I mean, he definitely doesn't like relying on rookies. I think he's all right. Uh, you know, with Levis at this stage and, and Spears and Skaronsky guys with pedigrees. Um, but you know, those fill in guys, it's okay. He's all right with the fill in guys if he can put him in narrow roles and ask him to do uh, very little, but he's had to do far too much of that uh, with inexperienced guys, not just rookies, but, but uh, guys without much of a pedigree, too many of them in too many situations with too broad of a role. um, And that's the problem. So the magic where he was filling people in, you know, in two years ago when they were incredibly hurt and still having success well, first off, some of those guys had some experience, right? Adams and Mitchell, they'd played some. Um, and uh, now you're talking about undrafted rookie free agents in, in some of these spots, and too many of them. That, that team two years ago had a, had a veteran backbone to kind of build around. And this one, uh, it, it's not the same thing in terms of that. So I, I think I would think their hope is, you know, they've got enough of a veteran backbone if they re-sign a couple of the guys that had the one-year deals like uh, Aziz um, and and then, you know, sign a couple premier guys out of, out of the free agent pool. And there are some at some positions, you know, a Calvin Wrigley, Ridley. I'm not thinking T. Higgins makes it to free agency, but he, he, he'd be a notch better than Ridley. I love Ridley. You know, you can find guys at some positions. You're not going to find the left tackle there. Right. Uh, you know, it's harder to find the elite cornerback there. But they they can do some things to the roster with that money. They're not spending $87 million or $100 million, but they can do some things for that backbone. And then they got a draft great. Uh, you know, and maybe this pick winds up high enough that, that they're in a trade back situation. But 
I really think, uh, and I know people are excited about the potential receiver there, and they're looking at at uh, at the Cincinnati decision for for Jamar Chase over Penne Sewell. I, I think if they can get a left tackle that they feel is worth the pick that they've got, they they gotta have a premier left tackle again. People are saying, you know, if you can go from mediocre from from uh, uh, Dennis Daly or Andre Dillard to mediocre, what a difference that would make. I say screw mediocre, hopscotch right back past mediocre, and and you got to get elite at that position. It's not it's not just pass protection. They can't run the ball. I mean, Derek averaging two yards a carry on Monday night is, is ghastly, and like I know they're not ever going to go away from him entirely, and I'm certainly not advocating for them too, but he's just not able to be effective to the level that we expect outside of the red zone, right? Obviously he's still a threat from, from five yards out basically at any given point when they get it, he's just such a, such an overwhelmingly strong human being that he can bully his way forward still, even though the offensive line in front of him is, is not, you know, doing anything particularly well on a snap in snap out basis, but like just, just for the sake of trying to make life easier on the quarterback, you know, Vrabel hates throwing the ball 39, 38, you know, 45 dropbacks a game because they're chasing and it's out of necessity. But, you know, I almost think one, it's it's kind of made them put the ball in Levis's hands more than they might otherwise have, which I don't think is a bad thing. But just to be able to take some pressure off him from time to time so he's not having to shoulder so much of this as a rookie quarterback behind a bad offensive line, whether they make a decision with Spears and that kind of workload. I know he outsnapped Derek again on Monday in Miami, but this – this offensive line's shit, uh, chasing it for, for four off-seasons, Paul. He, uh, Conklin hasn't been here since, what, 2020? It's been, it's been terrible. And something in my gut, Buck, just tells me that um, it's going to be Spears' deal. I mean, you watch these last two games. The end, the end of the Colts game, obviously, Derek was out being checked for a concussion and, and not let back in. And then this last game, you see the whole Spears package in terms of being able to carry and how versatile he is in, in terms of being able to catch it. And I can't imagine they look at that and aren't excited about the things that they can call and get to. And it's just so much more versatile. And they use the word versatile all the time last offseason. It's just different. And Derek, as good as he is, is it, it's weird to talk about him being limiting <laughs> Uh, but particularly without great run blocking, he is he is limiting. He's dependent, and 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 by that dependence, uh, yeah, more at least more dependent than he's ever been. Right yeah. behind the worst possible situation that I think he's had since he's been here. So it's it's a confluence of things. Yeah, and so even as you you say, all right, well the line's going to be better, so that'll be better for him. But you're also trying to anticipate the wall that he inevitably is is going to hit, and then. Uh, you know, the market for backs out there, there are like six good veteran running backs that are going to be free agents. And, um, you know, people are finding still undrafted running backs. There's a guy in Baltimore and it's electric that cost them them nothing. Uh, I won't be surprised if Derrick Henry situation isn't settled until, you know, after the draft in yeah. maybe June or July. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely trending that way. And, you know, people people struggle with that all the time. And it's not like I, – I, I feel like I have to say it every time we talk about Derek now. Like, it's not a knock on Derek Henry. It's just kind of 
where the situation is. And, you know, people are going to shit their pants when they turn around and let Derek walk in the offseason and sign Saquon Barkley to go with Tajay Spears or something like that. Can't wait for yeah. that conversation. It's just where the league is and, uh, and, and where you project things to go with him. But it's going to be weird. I mean, I mean, he's two touchdowns away from 12. He's going to wind up with you know, 12 or 1300 yards, maybe those things don't mean what they used to mean. And you got to project ahead also. Uh, Levis already has a cult following. It feels like that's not necessarily our job to buy in or uh, to, to have a level of belief in him to an extent based on the seven starts that we've seen from him. But I, I can't help but feel that he's, that he is elevating this slop <laughs> far more than anybody could have expected. I don't know what your expectations were for him. I know, you know, you've seen as much as as much or as little of him prior to these starts as, as any of us had because of the time that he missed due to injury and that those opportunities were were non-existent after the uh after the preseason, but you know, I feel at least at this point, even though he damn near lost them that game, Paul, like I feel like seeing him work through that adversity is the kind of stuff that he needs to be given the opportunity to, to work through, to not, you know, have fear of being, I think we're past the Malik stuff and, and, and situations like that, that were silly to start, to start this whole stretch. But I, I feel better and better about him. The more that I watch him and the more that I watch him work through these things. Super valuable. Uh, I mean, these experiences are incredibly valuable. I, you know, and, and, and winning at the end of them, super valuable, all these, draft mix and and their determination to get better position be damned they don't they don't really i don't think understand the value for him and for the other young guys of, of what some of these winning some of these games i banned mean. the word from the radio show this week nobody yeah, has to say good. draft that's good um i i think <clears throat> look i had doubts about him coming in but i'm no draft nick uh you know i, I had questions about the the accuracy and the decision making the decision making has been better than I would have anticipated. And the accuracy, while it's not great, he's certainly he's got the the uh, longest uh, average uh, A dot average distance per target uh, in the league. So you're going to be less accurate with that. He's had a lot of drops. This team doesn't catch the ball well, which is a big disappointment. And um, I thought that the inaccuracy would result in interceptions. And his interception rate is excellent, even with that a uh, bad pick pick six this this in Miami. So I, I mean I think there's a ton to be encouraged about. I think uh you know the arms absolutely electric, the ability to throw without his base being, you know, perfect is is exactly what you want. I like the fact that he's run more the last couple weeks. Obviously can't take the hits like he's taking, but the those snaps are super valuable to bail you out of some some troublesome situations. And uh, I think he's got quarterback personality, uh, you know, by leaps and bounds. Oh, please uh, don't I, let them beat that out of him, did, yes. whether it's the PR staff or anybody else. Please, God, Paul. The he's best just, one we've seen. And I'm not just talking at the podium where he's terrific and, and quotable and, and fun and engaged, which is terrific. But, uh, you know, everybody's made a big deal out of how he came to the sideline after the second touchdown that put them ahead with the – you know, veins popping out and, and, the, and the screaming and all that. And look, I mean, there are different meters you set and you don't need that if you're Joe Montana with all of the other stuff that Joe Montana had, but in his mix of personality, I, I think it's terrific and it's contagious. And this team minus 
uh, AJ Brown and, and minus Taylor Lewan and Mike Herndon was the, the one that articulated this best and earliest, you know, really didn't have much going for it offensive personality wise in terms of juice. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a fantastic player, but he's very, very low key. And I think you need some guys who are turned up to 11. And if it happens to be your quarterback, well, that's super contagious. You put it in everybody's veins. And uh, I think they've got that guy for sure. Um, and there's no doubt about who the quarterback is opening day next year. And that's a that's a pretty good feeling for a team that's bad. No, he's I mean, he's out there giving them the war cry, right? He's uh, you know not to I think I think uh, football and and like war terminology get crossed over too often for my liking, but like this dude is legitimately going out there for a fight in ways that is is palpable. We talked about you know it factor is such a such a lame way to talk about quarterback What's evaluation. Are you but wearing it's... some sort of Santa suit or is it just a red? Uh, no, it's Indiana. Hoosiers. Oh. It's okay. I'm not going to pan down. I'm not wearing pants while I do the podcast. I don't uh, yeah, well, shock that's fine, but I, I don't know what they have you doing at the station, and I know you're not beyond wearing a Santa suit <laughs> without the station asking you. Well, you'll listen, probably wear one next week, right? I, if uh, you know the most uh, the most clickbait thing I've done this week is put you on the podcast, so I'm not above many things. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, no, you're getting clicks. We know that. We know that. Absolutely. Well, uh, if you want to click on something that is well worth your time, everything available to you at paulkaharski.com, the Paul Kaharski podcast, where the chief is writing, where they've got Mike Herndon cranking out evaluation articles, certainly at this time of year, and where you can recap the game with Blake Bettingfield after the fact. All kinds of good resources. And in fact, $3 cheaper a month than my co- my cup of coffee today. I was I was shocked. <laughs> that's outrageous. I, I was and that's shocked. why I don't drink coffee. Also, you could go to Zen Sports. Can I plug that? You go to Zen Sports. Download you sure the can. app. There you go. We're, Look we're at that. all partners with Zen Sports. Go to Zen Sports. Use TN Paul instead of Bucks code. Nah. Uh, make a ten dollar bet. And you get a free year's membership to PaulKuharski.com. Look at that. He comes on here just to lobby against the promo codes. My promo code versus yours, Chief. It's good to have you back. It's good to have you on the podcast, bud. Thanks. It's for good to be back. Is that it? Are we done? That seems relatively short. I can't see the clock. 25 minutes? That That's all you 25 get? minutes. My problem no. this week was 40 minutes, and PK, a positive PK was on. And he thinks that Traylon Burks is, uh, despite his current struggles, the next Jerry Rice. Please tell me uh, that you're debating yourself the positive version on your podcast now. Uh, yeah, I have positive PK, an actual person on. He he took some time off from feeding the homeless to come I, on and tell me how I'm so negative about the Titans and and, uh, and correct me on everything. It must have been a different he PK. Said, he says that he's not been as high on any member of the Tennessee Titans as he is on Traylon Burks since Isaiah Wilson. Ah, excellent. Well, that is uh, truth to power and speaks to this team's just impeccable run of first-round draft picks over the course of the last four years. 25 minutes is not all you get. It's a Friday at 3.30. I figured I had you set up a lot something. more time than this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch a snooze. Go do it. Take a nap. You did well to report on the T.R. Tart situation, again, which you can read at paulkaharski.com because God knows I haven't said this man's name enough. Get the hell out of here. Enjoy <laughs> you your Friday. You mentioned it more than I do during my own podcast, so I appreciate